Welcome to Dollar Views. I'm Brian Gillis. And I'm Stephen Maltmanex. We're just a couple of Long Beach State film grads with a lifelong passion for cinema trying to put our money where our mouths are. And we decided to make our BAs mean something by offering our spoiler-free take on the latest film releases. Plus, any other media we've ingested over the past week. Whether that's the latest Buzzworthy show. An album that's been on constant rotation. That indie darling no one can shut up about. A cute romantic comedy. Or the latest Michael Bay masterpiece. We go over it all. One dollar. At a time. ago two weeks ago when we were trying to pick our next pick it was and brought up uh it was on my hey. watch list and then you threw it as a choice and i just figured well you know that's the one i know i know i want to watch it it was like my gut feeling that day was the same one i had during this watch even if it was a little bit better but i looked at it on paper or at least what i saw during the oscars i was like this is one of those like smaller indie movies that has a good performance and gets nominated for best actor and yet is like kind of a forgettable movie it's a little bit more than that, but it's, it's a lot right on the money. More than that, honestly. I mean, yes, the performance is good. It's cool that it got a mention, but it's not just him that this movie is. This is not oh, the you know, Viggo Mortensen The kids show. are better than Vigo. Oh, yeah. Everyone, just as a part of this movie, is really good. Frank at, Langella, like, yeah, Ann Dowd. You know, no one um, upstages each other. You know, Steve they're all, in a way. They're all working to... Uh, just tell this story and i mean i went into this blind i really knew nothing about it other than that oscar mm-hmm. nomination that's when i really yeah just first heard about it and then i've seen the poster so i was kind of worried that this was you know like some sort of quirky comedy uh i, I don't know if worried's the right term but i just felt like that was my assumption i was like you some know i figured i'd at West least Anderson give it a movie. shot yeah something like that i, I and mean it, and little miss sunshine was the one that was probably compared to the most to this because yeah, it's it's a road trip yeah. movie and it's about a, a weird family um it really is its own kind of movie like it, the the film that i've seen recently that actually this reminded me of was swiss army man i think it's just the <laughs> i think it's fair that the idea of being out in nature and like being your own man and trying to um, come to terms with what society is trying to tell you and, and shit like that. And also just some of the scenery, especially in the, the opening third of this film. Um, just the also music, the Pacific too, Northwest. Like the weird stuff that, they, that mm-hmm. they do throughout. I mean, like... Yeah, the, the Seeger Rose stuff here, or Jonesy, I think it was both, uh, really sets a tone. Like, his oh, music yeah. isn't used in... I mean, it's kind of like Bjork, you know, it's Icelandic, quote-unquote, pop music, some advent, avant-garde art artsy fartsy shit that you know i listened to in high school just like bjork um really sets a tone and then some of the singing even though there's not a lot of that in the movie too it's totally funny because you know this it's a very emotional movie and we Mm -hmm. can't really get into why because of the nature (laughs) of the show uh but just a note we're talking about vigo you know he got nominated for this he's only ever been nominated for one other movie that was eastern promises and in both this and that, he shows his dick. So maybe the Academy really likes the way his scrotum looks. And if he shows it off more, maybe he'll win an Oscar eventually. Hey, every man has one. Right. 
just like yeah you, you know can't argue with that except his daughter has the the great comeback for that too um, yeah no that's actually you know a good segue into that character um like just as far as like someone who's parenting you kind of question and he kind of acts like he's perfect but in that moment even though it's a small comedic moment contra- contradicts himself because he's totally cool with uh you know just being out there naked but yet for something mm. like you know you know it's dinner like there's still some manners being set there like no you have to be a bit civilized even though he really he uses that reasoning of like oh why should we give a shit why not just run free naked you know I, they're marxists you know it's um well, they're very beyond much that. very much uh how would you classify them? Cause it's I, I like... won't even try. All, all you got to know <laughs> if you guys haven't seen this before and you, and you have no desire to, or maybe you're curious because you're listening to the episode, it's on Amazon Prime right now. It should be for, you know, hopefully when you're still Quite listening a bit to time, this. Yeah, yeah some, some amount of time. But it's, it's like a pretty great Father's Day movie. Not in <laughs> like, oh, this is the movie you watch with your dad, but rather you want to watch a movie to remember like what role your father played in your upbringing type of thing this did make me think about my dad while i was watching right it. yeah like there there's a good amount of those movies but this one it kind of came out left field I, I just wasn't expecting it and it's pretty good at that it's just the problem is even if it's not quirky wes anderson like little miss sunshine like look at me i'm such a an indie spotlight um there's still something not quite right about this movie and the the film embraces that you know it it and it it raises that as a plot point like that becomes a message within its offering and it only makes sense that you know this is about parents raising their kids in a very alternative lifestyle and nature and the director writer matt ross who's best known as lewis carruthers aka the gay dude in american psycho who you know, Patrick Bateman's trying to strangle. He's like, ooh, I love these gloves. Where'd you get them? <laughs> uh, and also Gavin Belson on Silicon Valley, among other things. I, I was looking up his filmography. He's in Face Off. Like, I have to rewatch yeah, that. No, yeah, no, I think he gets killed, actually, in Face Off. He was actually raised in a similar part of the country in a similar fashion. So I would assume this is a very personal project. Vigo also, Vigo Mortensen, if you don't know the name, you know, the, the fucking king in Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um, or Aragorn. Also the, the Road, Eastern the, Promises, A History of Violence. Uh, he's, for the most part, a character actor, even if he yeah. is a name because it's so weird and that kind of also fits into this film. And me, you know, if you've listened to any of my intros or, or outros, I'm Brian Gillis, but that's not actually it's spelled. It's B-R-Y-O-N, and that's my whole family, okay? So my mom is Jill, J-Y-L-L. My, my brother is James, J-A-I-M-S. So I understood... Like exactly. Like I, I understood the point of these kids all having really fucking weird, strange names because it, there's, like, there's things I connected with, and I could see where Matt Ross was coming from, what Vigo brought to the project, but at the same time, a lot of me was kind of thinking throughout this that these kind of films... You know, I, I've been pretty negative about the black remakes on several shows, but these quote-unquote alt-white movies are almost as bad for society as those are because this is a singular worldview where every single person, even though they go to New Mexico, is all white, mm-hmm. assumed to be Christian. This is a very claustrophobic world it doesn't seem like america even when they're traveling the country you don't see anyone of a different creed or class they're all upper middle class they're all white they all drive certain things they're all uh, capitalist pigs and i just i don't like i 
I don't I didn't hate it as much as I hate Wes Anderson's mm-hmm. um, worldview because that's stylized. You know, it's supposed to be quirky. Like it, it's it's artistic. Whereas this is not. Like this is just a movie, and it didn't seem like my America. I mean, I, you know, that was not an issue for me. And I, I don't know, I guess like, I'm not even going to really try to defend the point. I mean, you know, I uh-huh. am white. I don't know. Maybe that could be a bias right there. But there was never like a town that they went through, a small town or anything, you know, where I was just like, oh, you know, that should be more populated. Like I've, I've driven around other places in America. Oh, that, not, not in terms of that population. That do end up but... being predominantly like that, though. So it wasn't like, you know, they did drive I, I past buy... Seattle. I think, but, um, you know, if they spent more time, I guess, in the city, maybe, I don't know, you would see more, but it wasn't something I was taking issue with while watching the movie. It's not what the movie's about. It's about this family and how they fit in society and also the, Mm -hmm. the larger group in society that they're part of, their extended family. And it would make sense that this is a white family, that their family, by virtue of extension, would also be white. And when you but get to just, New Mexico, they're pretty exactly. wealthy, too. Like it's, yeah, well, it, well, beyond that, though, it's like it's it's New Mexico, you know? Like, I was expecting some kind of color, even when they're at an airport in this movie. No, like, it, it, when you get into, like, who these characters are and how they've been brought up and how... I don't even know the correct term, but just, like, perfect they all think they are... To the point where I, it was like not nauseating because it, it really is colorful and each each one of these kids and Vigo are really interesting. You haven't seen them in pretty much anything. They're they're smaller actors that haven't been in much, or if they have, it's been in TV. And uh, they're all fresh faces and they all bring some some really great charisma to the project. But at the same time, I just it it seemed like this is one of those movies that only white people saw. And are only going to be recommended to the white people they know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know like how to respond to that because I I did just I did just look at it as a movie, honestly. Um, like I, people. I mean, there was it wasn't like I was gonna. You know, it's a movie, but yeah. people like pointing at the blockbusters, you know, mm-hmm. for being problematic in society. Since they're making the movie with lots of money, why don't you have a black guy? Why don't you have an Asian dude? Why don't you have a Hispanic? Why don't you have a woman? Why don't you have this? Why isn't the director black? Why isn't, you know, like the, the laundry list of things where if it's not a Fast and Furious movie, there's, a, there's an issue. And yet, you have this. This is an Oscar-nominated movie. And maybe it's because no one saw it that no one cared. But I, I like while I was watching, I was if it was like aware. a big breakout hit like Juno or something yeah. or Little Miss Sunshine, even to that effect, then yeah, people would have definitely it said just, something. I, with, mean, I don't. When it comes to movies, I do hate this conversation. Like as far as an industry issue and people getting work, you know, like that's like that's where there is a problem. But when it comes to the final product, the art itself, uh, and you can enjoy it, I don't. I try not to think about that stuff. I usually get annoyed I, when it's beat down my throat. I enjoyed that, the art. It's just, it was the thing that I was really thinking about both during and especially after. I watched this about 24 hours ago now, and, you know, every person I encountered today, I don't think, uh, maybe one or two, I would have recommended it to them, but it's such a, I don't even know the right term, it's just like, it's a slice of life that seems foreign to me, and yet this is in a part of the world that I'm not far away from, and society that I am, even if they're mocking it in some way, I, I'm a part of, and yet it didn't feel like my America. Like this, Well, I mean, no movie this ever Trump's should, America. because you see a lot of, like, there is, I, I never really understand that meaning of, like, what my America is. You go around the country, 
America is so different and so diverse in just many different places that, you know, I, it's like, I, I've never really understood how to like cram down what America is. Usually that's one of the cool things about movies is like you get to see some stuff like parts of America that you typically don't get a different feeling of it. It doesn't have to be yours that's reflected on screen. You can see somebody else's. That's, that's kind of the beauty about film is that we can share different uh, views of what America but it is. it usually I mean, seems for a movie of this size, with this kind of budget, with this kind of talent involved, that they show the same exact American experience. Even if it is a little bit quirkier than most, or it is a little more colorful, and even if it is, especially in this case, trying to break down those kind of mores or just uh, make you look at it from a different worldview, it, it seems like it's almost hand-selected for a certain audience and show they are presenting the kind of world that they think they are used to. I, I, it's not an issue. I mean, it's just it's something that I'm becoming more aware of as maybe just an older viewer when mm -hmm. these kind of questions are being raised by the media, when we have episodes called, like, Oscars So Black and Oscars What the Fuck, and these are things that we've been having discussions about for over a year now on a weekly basis that is becoming harder and harder to escape because it is ultimately going to be part of the talking point. Even if I didn't raise it initially, like it, I, I could see almost like you said, if this had won an award or it was a breakout hit, that there would be some kind of backlash in today's society. And part of that issue is that it's, it's kind of weird. It's like you said, like if the art is good, you should watch the art, not what well, it's surrounding. I think also, I mean, just like when I get to like my uh, my thoughts on this, it's definitely, you know, your reaction is not one that I had of this movie, but it's not like I would never have that reaction with any movie. Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that this movie was good enough to make me not think about those issues that we keep discussing uh, right now. Like, I, I thought this was really, really good. I was surprised actually by how much I liked it. And I was invested in this family and just how the father as a character, just how sort of just conflicting it was trying to side with him of how um he's doing all these things that are very very harmful but at the same time you kind of see where he's coming from and you are mm -hmm. able to sympathize with him a little bit and yet you know even though like he may not be doing what's best for them he's still giving them far more opportunities and advantages than most would so in a way he's doing a great job raising them just not doing necessarily everything right because there's definitely some things that are not working there that's my main take away from that it did not make me think about um everything else i was invested enough in these in this uh character and in the story and wanting to see where this would go and just i mean their worldview it, just how how they see everything like you know it's totally a fish out of water tail and i got uh, enjoyment out of that of seeing that but um mm -hmm. I, I didn't take issue or really think about how america was presented because i was invested in all this other stuff that i think was the goal of the story that they were trying to tell so i you know it's it's not something i can really complain about but i don't i'm sure some other movie could elicit that reaction out of me in the future i mean the film is is pretty good not necessarily in the story because it's not totally original you've seen something like this before i said swiss army man is not too far off no and but that's it's, it's even really more these personal characters story. and like and oh, how yeah, the, the, they're the you know the father's worldview and how they're being educated of how the father has, doesn't care about them cursing or anything of just doesn't shield anything from them 
is pushing them physically and trying to get them to like you know enhance their minds and like really just not give making it easy for them like it has shades of running with scissors or royal tenenbaums mm -hmm. maybe even like the world according garp like these uh films or even just stories about parenting that's a little bit different that raises kids in a way that is more peculiar um but it's an interesting film in the way that Viggo mortensen is a totally round character in a way that you normally don't get unless you're watching like a TV show or reading a book. And even more bizarre than that is even though he is rearing his kids in this way that is totally atypical, you buy into it. And then when he questions what he's doing, you too as a viewer begin questioning it. Like you are totally um, watching this subjectively from his mindset. It That's probably why he was nominated for the Oscar. Mm -hmm. That he went on this exploration that actors normally don't do. If he is the central point and he is essentially the point of view for you as an audience member, at least for me to experience it in that way is a pretty special ride. It's just, I wish that it were a little bit more peppered. Like I, it, it, the Pacific Northwest might be a predominantly white area, but at the same time, you know, when they're, like I said, when they're going to these, populated areas when they go to an airport or better yet a grocery store and that grocery store has a really hilarious uh titanic like little <laughs> easter egg where my heart goes that was on playing in the background yeah yeah with some music which I, I i totally laughed at one of the one of the few things in this film that i laughed at um but i think the point of the film more than anything is just to you know just make you question the society we live in and it does that to a point except i think these are questions that anyone that is actually watching this movie has already thought about. It doesn't bring anything new to the table, but it is an interesting like story about a father, a father raising this interesting family, a family who is looking only to him as the sole patriarch, you know? Um, and I, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to buy it for a dollar because it's, I don't know. Like it's not quirky. is not the right word. Like I think it just, no, no, it tries not a little too hard to be avant-garde to go like against the grain but as an amazon prime movie and most of the ones that i've seen on there have been a, of a certain caliber it fits in right with it like you know we were talking about this in the last two cents how you can tell someone who what kind of person they are based on what subscription they have mm -hmm. if someone's seen this movie yeah it's like yeah you you probably are more of an amazon person than netflix first person and I think this is a, a, a perfect film for their library. Like, it really um, kind of stands closer to the auteurship of cinema than Let Me See Something Adam Sandler. The movie itself, to me, it you know, you said avant-garde. It really isn't that to me. It's just, it's more that these characters are atypical and it tries to present their world as best as it can and mm -hmm. really gives you a glimpse at that in a way that's accessible I mean, yeah, you know, I don't find it, um, you know, critical of society right now. Like, it's it's really just these characters and you see their view and it's bringing up these things where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe you can look at it and be like, yeah, maybe there is some issue with how kids are educated that maybe, you know, if they don't know what the Bill of Rights is. And even, it's I mean, beyond that, though, like that whole sequence when they visit the 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 aunt and uncle mm -hmm. every single thing they talk about oh yeah no is it's it's kind of like shoving something criticism through your, through and anti-capitalism yeah. but then you know well it's I, even more than that it's like 
these kids are going around hunting people and killing, or not hunting people, uh, hunting animals and killing hunting, them. Yeah, like, I mean, like that's how this starts. And, shit. Yeah. And, and yet then they're watching some Killer Instinct gameplay, and they're sickened by the ultraviolence. It's like, what? Well, I mean, like, and that's, that is the thing, though. I do think, you know, not only is uh, Vigo, like, kind of a conflicting protagonist, and that, you know, you do, yeah. there is a sense, like, that he's doing things really well, and it's working, but then later on it's not. It's, you know, I think there's enough uh, shades in both areas where you see the things that are working in his parenting and also just the things that are that kids are missing from their experiences growing up that would help them uh, out into adulthood. It's that same thing with society where, you know, there's things that they're being obviously critical and even us as a species, uh, we, we see that, you know, we kind of acknowledge that's a problem that, you know, it's been brought up before, but then, you know, there's things that work. There's things that ultimately in the narrative they sort of they adapt to you know that they concede to so it's you know it's not like this movie takes a position on like you know a one specific way is better or anything it's not too avant-garde it's oh, not yeah. pushing it, an it agenda it's really just it doesn't uh, push the agenda it, it raises questions that it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily give answers to i think it, it just acknowledges the realities of some things rather than trying to shove it down our throats people that live on the left side you know mm-hmm. are going to be the people that are watching this like if you're a hipster or a hippie or you live an alternative lifestyle mm-hmm. this film you're going to gravitate towards it and so i i'm not quite sure about you know the message it has but i do like the you know i, I do like this father's journey i love his his kids uh, I do like some of the hijinks they get up to, and <laughs> some of the scenery is gorgeous. Some of the music is great. Uh, the score is, in particular is pretty good, and they are interesting characters. It's just I've seen stuff like it, and it's kind of like a pastiche of other things. It, it's a solid movie. You know, I, I didn't quite get emotional, but I did uh, find myself like shaking my head at scenes, like why, why, why did you do that? Like I was getting invested in some of these characters. It's one of those movies where. If you, you know, if, if this were a TV show, that you would really probably love it. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with these people except the way that the world thinks that they should live. It's like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a fish out of water story, but not in a way that you usually see it. You know, also, like, part of the irony is that they are anti-capitalist, but then uh, part of me was watching this the whole time and thinking, you know, the beautiful thing about America is that they are able to live this way by choice. For me, I mostly I'm I'm not like automatically thinking that this is a buy, but I am mostly siding towards there. I think this would have been an honorable mention if I put it in my top ten last year. Maybe. And yeah. I, I think it's mainly just the father's journey and it's like, you know, I am not old enough to have kids, but there's just something about living alone and away from your parents that you do reflect how you react in the world as an adult and how your parents raised you and you realize all the things that they've done for you and then you think of things that maybe you might do differently for when you have kids. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was at play here. So for me, yeah, it was quite a bit emotional. And I really did not expect to like it this much. I was thinking, you know, okay, maybe this might be some sort of quirky Wes Anderson comedy, you know, just based on the poster. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed name. it far more than something like Little Miss Sunshine. You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that this just got the actor nominee just to get more exposure for people to see it and that it's not getting overblown because you know if i if this was as hyped as little miss sunshine for me then i probably would have enjoyed it far more less and not really uh looked that deep into it it's a different time in filmmaking when little miss sunshine came out streaming didn't exist 
their yeah. YouTube wasn't really even a thing yet. And so and also when Little Miss Sunshine came out and, you know, then Juno was nominated that next yeah. year, people well, were like, oh, I love indie cinema. I love that indie cinema gets represented, even though it's funded by Fox Searchlight. And it's just a lower budget flick. This is a universal movie, you know, like it. This yeah. isn't independent filmmaking either. It just, well, it's, it's, you gotta, I, I think Universal gotta, distributed it because it played at Sundance. Yeah, it's, well, it's Bleecker Street. Bleaker but Street it, yeah. it, it still, you know, it got a small release, but it is distributed by one of the major film corporations. You know, it, it's a Comcast yeah. movie, technically. But it, it's funny because, yeah, you know, it does raise those kind of questions about uh, adulthood and parenting that we're on the cusp of actually having to deal with and thinking about like, how would I raise my kids? What do I want for them? And yet, like, I don't think anyone on the planet would go to the extremes that Vigo does here. Like it, it's literally extreme. (laughs) Even if it is a perfect little utopia that they have on their own land in the Pacific Northwest, where they have amazing access to all these books and they know how to do this. And what is it like there? They have the, the physical mentality of like Navy seals or whatever, all that shit. Yeah. It's a beautiful little fantasy. Like they have their, their lost boys, uh, Neverland out there, except when reality seeps in, they realize how unprepared they are for anything. And especially everything. And I like the little coda you get at the end. It's like this little outro that happens um, where I thought it was like almost a mistake. You get this very nuanced, like beautiful scene and there's no dialogue and it just goes on a little longer than you expect it to. to the yeah, point but where, that's like actually I said, what I liked about it was that it was just, it, it's that yeah. moment, you know, like there, there's this... Uh, there's this line shortly before that about, you know, just savoring the moment. And then mm-hmm. I liked how that played out in this. Yeah, it was it was an interesting way to close out a journey like this. Um, I recommend you check it out. I, I think if you watch this, it'd be hard for you not to like it. It is an interesting story. It is a good tale. That's and a non-word, is, remember. Use a better it, one, Brian. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck that idea of the movie, too. Um, no, but I, you know, I did actually find that interesting, just how intellectually he was just really pushing his kids. And, you know, I did not necessarily see anything wrong with that. You know, like, I mean, no, yeah, there's nothing wrong you know, with hey, it. If just, it's his kids, you know, they're going to be in some ways, they're definitely going to be like, influenced by whatever you do. And that's how he's raising them. That's not how I would push my kids. But there uh, were I, that was in interesting this, to see how that worked out. There were certain moments in this film where I went, yeah, I would do the exact same thing. Like the whole lying to your kids thing. Like, no, I do not lie to anyone. I'm definitely not going to lie to my kids. If they have a question, I might not be as blunt. I might not go into full detail like Vigo does here. But yeah, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna spill so they are aware. You know, if they if if school's teaching them something, I'm gonna say no, that's wrong. This is what it is really is. You know, like I, I'm not a fan of that idea of uh, you know political politically correctness or or better yet just. Mm-hmm. Um, like sheeple you know just because there's a certain mentality doesn't mean you have to follow it but at the same time you don't have to throw society away just because it's not what you wish it was Um, you gotta make them like understand what it is too at the same time like how other people might see things but uh, yeah um, i'll buy this film for the fact that is definitely if you see this with someone you're gonna have a conversation about it not many of those films are made nowadays that it, it does raise enough questions that it, it's going to stick with you, even if it's not from, like, having a certain kind of impact. It's just, it's a think piece. It, it's a philosophical movie. It, it's interesting, especially 
in the America that we live in now. It's just, it's not exactly going to portray the America necessarily that most of us probably live in. Um, but, but moving on. Well, you know, I, I got to um, say the one real quick. What mm-hmm. is funny though, like, is that, yeah, while it does manage to be a good thing piece, it also does it in a very conventional way where it's kind of the standard road trip movie at the same time where, you know, there's yeah. even that moment where they stop at a trailer park and the oldest mm-hmm. son just sees this cute girl, you know, and they have that one night where they're talking and, you know, they'll never meet again. But like, you know, there are a lot of cliches here, which is funny. But yet, you know, I never really thought about it till after the fact. I was thinking about it during it. Like, I, I really like especially that girl that he meets with Claire. I was like, why she looks so familiar? I was like, oh, she's on Jessica Jones. She's also on something else. <laughs> like she besides Vigo, she's the only person in this movie that actually has success elsewhere. Um, but like, well, Franklin Jello and yeah and out but yeah, in terms of the the kids you know the the people that are under 23 or whatever in the yeah film. i don't think this is probably a first uh flick for most of them maybe not the oldest um, one but no no they've all been in things it's just it, mm. very very limited not grant great exposure and then this film included not the most people haven't even heard of it let alone seen it even if they did watch the oscars it's escaped their mind by now <laughs> Uh, check it out though if you got Amazon Prime. Definitely worth a, a, a watch since it's quote unquote free. Um, moving on, we didn't do an episode for it because Steve had some visitors, but I caught Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Two this past weekend. I actually did a midnight uh, before midnight. Matter of fact, I did. Yeah, uh, midnights very, very don't really screening. exist anymore, do they? Oh no, they totally exist. It's just most it's people mostly don't do them. It's mostly 10 p.m.s now and like earlier than that, yeah, like seven, seven. It's on 3D and it wasn't alone. It was actually a double feature. That was only at very, very limited screenings. I want to say, like, maybe only, like, 40, con- 40 theaters in the country. There were quite a few lucky. here that had it. But it was it was still fairly limited. Um, it was a special event. I got a cool-looking poster that kind of looks like a vinyl sleeve that actually has a circular wear, um, like, shown in it that where, like, the vinyl record actually would be. Also, like, free comics and some pins and some stuff. Uh, it was worth it for me because I only paid $20. I got to see two movies in 3D and one of those opening the, the, the day that I saw it. So as someone who didn't get to see Gardens, the first one in theaters, <laughs> it was special. $10 a piece for 3D, that, that's a steal, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wrote a review on Letterboxd and I also tweeted about it, so you shouldn't be too unaware of my views on this. It's more the same, man, which is great for people that love the first movie. I mean, I definitely like the first movie. Most people like the first movie, but it's pretty much like the same fucking movie, but less of an adventure. Um, It's more like the Peter Quill story, which isn't bad either, because you had a lot of questions raised in that first one. Who's his dad? What is he? Where'd he come from? What's the second volume of the Guardian of his uh, soundtrack? All, you know, all these kinds of stuff. Um, My main issue with the film, though, and this is the real one, isn't, oh, look, it's Baby Groot, he's the new BB-8. It's, it's not that kind of shit. My real problem is there's only two more movies before the first Infinity War movie or whatever you want to call it, Avengers 3. There's uh-huh. Spider-Man Homecoming, there's Thor Ragnarok, and then there's Avengers. And the first time we saw the Guardians of the Galaxy, Thanos was a main fucking character. No, Two of he, his daughters. He, wasn't. he was he a side character. Like he's, he was, he's still in the background in that. It was the first time Thanos ever got a line of dialogue across yeah. all of the movies that have ever been but out. But he only and got still, one scene. Maybe two, but like I, I only he got one. one and a half scenes. Okay, mm-hmm. but he actually had a lengthy one where you're like, "Oh, this guy's a badass," you know, like you were exposed to him in a way that wasn't after the credits for the first time 
ever. And it made sense because Gamora, one of his daughters, is a central character of the Guardians. And then more so, his other other daughter, uh, Nebula, is one of their antagonists. So you had, like, a family movie. The Guardians are family, two of his daughters are part of his family, and you were introduced in a real way to who this guy was, even if he is still on the side and kind of like, huh, what? Like, raising questions, kind of like Snoke in Episode 8, or mm-hmm. Episode 7, probably also in Episode 8. Um, but, but the real issue is, like I said, he's not in this at all. There is no post-credit sequence with him. There isn't any post-credits anything that expands upon the MCU and leads up to the next Avengers movie. Jeff Goldblum, who's a central character in Thor Ragnarok, has a post-credits cameo here, but that cameo is literally him dancing on the side of the credits. It's not even a, a sequence. What? Yeah, like... Okay. It's That's, a yeah. very... There's five post-credit sequences, and they all go, ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, guys. You ready? It's almost here. And not this Avengers movie that you've been waiting for for the better part of a decade is coming out next summer, and you are got to really be excited about this. That doesn't happen, not even a little bit, not a, even at all. It is well, can a I be self- honest here, even though mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet? That actually makes me kind of like it more without seeing it. I mean, it, just because it sounds we, more like, even from what I've heard, that it's more of a self-contained movie. It's and a very I'm a, self-contained movie. I'm a bigger which fan isn't a of bad those, thing. really, rather than just being teased for We're Infinity three movies Wars. away. Yeah, Actually, no, two. No, I mean, We're like, two movies away. They've been doing And this segues, is the Guardians like, of the Galaxy. I mean, even in the beginning, These guys though, have like, met Thanos. Mm-hmm. They are fully aware of not only what the Infinity Gems to are. To be fair, only uh, Gamora and uh, uh, what's-her-face. Nebula. Uh, the sister. Only they've met Thanos. But uh, what's-his-name, the blue dude... He knows who Thanos is, okay? Rocket Rat, like, everyone here is aware of Thanos. You don't think they've had these mm-hmm. talks over the last three years? They are fully aware of what the Infinity Stone is. They've been in the presence of it. They are fully aware of the other ones. Benicio Del Toro laid it out for him really, really well. That scene in the first film told you for the very first time in the whole MCU why Thanos is doing what he's doing, even if you haven't seen him actually do it. And... Maybe it's cool, you know, this is kind of like the fan service movie. Let's put Sylvester Stallone in it. Let's put <laughs> Kurt Russell in it. Glenn Close is in the first one. She doesn't and show see, up this I time. I don't want to know what the plot of uh, Infinity Wars is necessarily going to be through other movies setting it up. Like, you, I mean, once a, they have all these ingredients there. They've been doing there, that. And yeah. I, w- I wanted that. Maybe not in the movie, but if you have enough of a budget to do five post-credit sequences, five why isn't Thanos in one of those? Or at the very least, it, there wasn't one Anything. for Homecoming, was there? No. Okay, at the very least, set up what's coming No, next, no, Spider, Spider-Man, home, Spider-Man not being in it's fine, okay? Thor is less of a, a fine thing because that takes place in space also, and this is in, the, you know, the outer rim of our galaxy. Like, space movie, space movie, same calendar year, a couple of months apart. This one looks like Star Wars. That one looks like Star Wars, kind of. But there's no sell on that. Like I said, Jeff Goldblum barely is even in the movie. A you have to be credit? looking for it. It Like, literally. Yeah. If you're the first person to tell me he's in it. So you see him, like, it. as a cowboy shot on the side. Because they do this really cool thing where it's kind of like a Harry Potter moving portraits. And they just do, like, a dance move real fast. Like, kind of like a boomerang on Instagram. And mm-hmm. you see him kind of doing, like, the bat sweet or something for, like, a second. You have to be looking for him. But it's very, very, very obviously Jeff Goldblum. And I was kind of like, why is he on the credits panel? 
It was really peculiar. That, uh, maybe that we'll really get, sounds weird. We'll, yeah, maybe they'll tell us in Thor Ragnarok. Um, but I j- just watching this one and how the world, especially the critical world, is proclaiming as like the second coming of Christ. Fucking, it fixed the Marvel sequel curse. Finally, we have good women superheroes. Uh, this fixed the antagonist problem with the Marvel movies. This did this. Do you, Baby Groot's the best thing ever. Like Every little thing that I've seen on the internet... The, the box office this thing got. The biggest Marvel opening ever. One of the biggest Disney openings ever. It sure... It, Wait, I mean, what? Not really, but... It, biggest opening Marvel? Weekend. No. Yeah. What, are, you, are they saying worldwide? Period. Even, even like, just in not America. Not domestically, like this, no. No, not it, even It's one of the biggest. It's, I didn't say the biggest. It's one of the biggest. Like, this beat okay. the first Guardians by, like, something like 60% or something. Yeah, no, Guardi- It's uh, this is well-known enough now that it would open big. Guardians had legs, though. It grew. I know several people have seen this more than once. And I didn't get that at all. And, like, you, you know, I kind of prefaced my review on Letterboxd talking about this going, uh, maybe it was the fanboy sitting next to me wearing flip-flops without, well, not flip-flops, but sandals without socks on, who, like, stank a little bit. And was a total, like, socially awkward kid who went to the... Like, I went to the movies by myself because I just wanted to experience it, you know? But this guy seemed like he should have went with friends, but he didn't have any friends. <laughs> and he was the epitome of everything I hate in a movie, sitting literally shoulder to shoulder with me. Laughing at every joke obnoxiously. Singing the songs. Moving around in his seat. When he left for the intermission, he came in late. He came in with way too much food, and he was, like, pretty much screaming during the post credit sequences because he was so excited about what they were they were revealing for the next You have the worst luck with movies. I have the worst luck. Man. The worst. I'd never want to see another Marvel movie in theaters again, and mostly that's because the bad luck I've been having seeing them, and better yet, I don't like the kind of events that they're playing out to be. Did you go to the Cinemark again? No, I went to the same theater I went and had my bad experience for Power Rangers because it was the only one in the area playing the double feature. But even still, I just... I went to see the Guardians of the Galaxy. I got that. But I was also looking to see the next chapter in the MCU storyline, and I didn't get that. I don't give a fuck about Peter Quill and his friends. They are not interesting to me. Their relationships do not evolve in this outing. The characters do... But it's been three years, both kind of in story time and real world time, since the first volume, and yet nothing really seems different. It seems literally like more of the same. So if you really like that first Guardians, and everyone did, like I said, you're going to like this movie, and I don't have to tell you that because you probably already saw it, but I don't need another Marvel Star (laughs) Wars movie. Because now Disney owns Star Wars, and they make their own Star Wars movies. It, it it didn't make sense to me. I didn't need it. I mean, you know, I, I kind of want to defend it a little bit just because your criticism sounds harsh. But, you know, I have not seen it. I mean, for me, though, my standpoint is... It's a good movie. I kind of just... It's a fine I movie. Just don't care, though, like, really now until Infinity War comes up. Because, like, I, I just, you know, the marketing for this... For me, I kind of got the more of the same vibe, where except you know in like the comedy sequel way, where it's like, all right, it seems more like they're going for what worked the first time, and it doesn't feel like it organically gets there. No, maybe it, it it'll, does. maybe it'll be maybe it'll be fun. I don't know. But. It's, it organically gets there. It is fun. The yeah. jokes are just as good. The music isn't, 
but the emotional beats are the same. Like, the characters are just as lovable. Like, Baby Groot is even better than Adult Groot. Fucking Drax is better this time around. Like, David Bautista is amazing. I, I hope he's in way more movies in the years to come. Um, every the Rocket Raccoon's even better this time around. Like, the family expands. Like, getting to see Sylvester well, Stallone in a superhero movie. It doesn't seem better. Because it's more the same. Like, it doesn't up the ante. There is no escalation here. The point of making a breakthrough amazing movie and then getting a greenlit sequel and making that sequel is to one-up it. Terminator? Terminator 2. Alien? Aliens. And maybe James Cameron's not the person to pick here, but I don't personally love Dark Knight more than Batman Begins, but it raised the bar. Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars? Empire. Like, all of these great... We'll leave out The Matrix. But most of the great film franchises out there and this is a franchise within a franchise, most of them, when they get that sequel, if it gets the acclaim like this one gets, it's for a reason. And this reason is, I really loved the first time I saw them in theaters. Now I get to see them in theaters again. And I just, it was Disney 101 to me. Like I didn't understand the hype going in. I definitely didn't understand it coming out. It has some great beats. It's a solid movie. If I saw it at home, I would be beyond satisfied. But going out, take asking, requesting for the day off from work so I could go do this double feature so I could see it in 3D. And mind you, the 3D is amazing. It is some, like, I, I've seen so many Disney movies, so many blockbusters in 3D, right up there with the best. It is great stereographic uh, imagery. Like, it's the first credits you see. You see 3D post-conversion by. It's not hidden in the credits. Um, but there's no reason to see this movie. It does not set up the rest of what's happening in the MCU. There is some footage on Earth in this movie, and there are none of the Avengers on Earth reacting to that. Maybe they will in Infinity War. There's just moments that are regarded for no reason. Like They introduce so many characters in this movie that you kind of forget what you're watching. Like, it, it really, really goes and pushes the ticket for the sequel that was announced before this movie even opened. It's also going to be directed by James Gunn. It's also going to be written by him. It's going to star most of the same people. Like, that's cool and all, but if this one, which takes place right before Infinity War, and most of these characters, were at least Star-Lord for a matter of fact, is going to be in that Avengers movie, fucking give me a way to want to see that Avengers movie. Like, they're under the assumption that I'm just going to see it. I'm not going to see it now. I don't want to see it now. Like, I, I don't know what Disney's doing anymore. So are you going to see Thor? Probably not. Not after, like, as much as I want to support... Based on that trailer that you were excited Yeah, yeah. based on that trailer. As much as I want to support Taika Waititi, unless I get a free ticket or it's really, really cheap, I'm probably not going opening weekend. I'm definitely not going opening night. I... Hopefully that one establishes some kind of Thanos what the fuck is going on, but this one doesn't. Spider-Man Homecoming? That that one's not going to, but I'm going to see it because I need to see Spider-Man. <laughs> I saw the latest trailer. I really wish I hadn't. They played it before Gardens, of course, but I, the movies are done to me. There's no punctuation. Infinity War, as we know, has a follow-up. It's going to have Avengers Part 4. It seems like they're never going to end these movies now. Well, and this I one might, was another... I might have more to comment on this at the end of the week. But, um, y yeah, you know, I'm 
your comments make me a little more curious to see it, but I'm, you know, I don't know. We'll wait and see because I'm actually really not jazzed for these either. It's a fine movie. I wasn't excited going in, but I was let down coming out. I didn't want another chapter in the Guardian story. I wanted another installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I wanted to see what was happening next in this clusterfuck of evil. And you just don't get that, which is a total failure on the part of Marvel. Like, I, I don't understand their branding anymore. <laughs> I, I want more. I expect more. And everyone in the world is excited about every one of these movies and can't ever say anything bad about it. And I, I don't want to be part of that cinematic like experience anymore. I would rather go to the three dollar theater and watch it that way. Like I, I just, I don't care. There's nothing in these movies that says anything about the world we live in. Captain Fantastic, I didn't buy it because you know there's there's things that I don't see in the country I live in. This one literally doesn't even take place in the same fucking like <laughs> planet system. Okay, like th- this is so far removed from what I should care about that I don't care about it. At least. What DC is doing is about our society and how that would change if there were things that could fly and blow things up. They've never shown that in the Marvel movies. They'll never show that in the Marvel movies because all they're satisfied or happy or care about is, hey, how can we sell more tickets? How can we sell more merchandise? Better get, how can we get them in our theme park? I don't know. And maybe I, Black Panther can surprise us, but it you know, won't who knows? Surprise There's us, still man. plenty of time for that. I'm going to be probably out and done with them if I'm not already. Is, when does that come? Is that March of next year? Uh, I think it's February, so less than a year from now. So that's the final one before Avengers. Yeah. I'm not seeing that. And then I think it's it's Ant-Man after that, and then um, Captain Marvel. Yeah, I'm not doing it. We just don't care. I don't care about this. (laughs) You are more jaded. No, I mean, I'm jaded by this. You're just kind of pissed off by this. Because I've been watching these movies for way longer than I should have. Yeah, it's almost been nine years, too. Or it has been nine years. It's been over nine years. Yeah. They've been leading up to this shit since 2009. 2008. Well, I'm I'm counting, like, Iron Man 2. That's 2010. 2010. Well, they've been doing it for seven years, then. They've been leading up to this moment. And the moment's still coming. It has to be, like, the best movie ever made. Literally. (laughs) It won't be. People People will have problems with it. I can tell you that right now. Of course they're going like, to have problems yeah, with it. Will always, it's going to be the it, first part in a two-part so movie. It's going to get so many overrated uh, staples on it. It's going to be nitpicked to death. So, I mean, I just hope it's fun at this point. I'm just hoping that Marvel releases a movie that not everyone in the world blows and sucks off real fast. It will. Yeah, You know, it's doing really it's well It's halfway so there. Far, but, yeah. One weekend out, it's halfway there. Oh, shit. Did it open in China already? I think it does next week. Yeah, okay. No, I, shit. It, it does. No, yeah, yeah. It hasn't because I saw James Gunn on Twitter say um, he's doing a live Q&A on Facebook on Sunday because he wants to wait until the international audience can fully see it before they talk spoilers on a grand scale. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's opening this weekend in China or Japan. All right, then. Uh, what else you watch? Uh, you know that I saw a way better superhero movie uh, this past week. Howard uh, the I, Duck? Uh, well, not that one. And he does make another appearance in Guardians 2. Um, nice. But I, I, I saw Split, and I, I liked it so fucking much that I saw Unbreakable on the same day. I don't really have to talk about it. Fuck. It's, it's so known good. at this point what it is. I yeah, mean, like so The internet has completely spoiled it to death. I told everybody after I saw it, 
that I knew, like, there's bigger fans of Unbreakable than me. I've only seen Unbreakable once. Like, yeah, I'd it, only it's seen it's it not once fresh in my mind at all. Again. Yeah, like, I do want no, to rewatch it, it, especially after this, but everyone I told, I told them because I knew they would be jazzed about an Unbreakable sequel, and I didn't tell them what it was. I was just like, just trust me, just go. Yeah. None of them fucking went, and then they were pissed <laughs> off when they found out about it. No, I, I, I guess I can say more about Unbreakable than Split. Because if you haven't seen Split, seriously, if you're listening still, after me telling Gar- telling you Guardians is a piece of shit, and it's not, it's a good movie. Um, but after me being upset about that whole thing, it sounds like you were trashing on it. But yeah, I'm not. I, I, I no, didn't I'm trash saying on what it movie. sounded like. You did yeah. say good movie, but your tone was more aggressive. Because I'm upset about the franchise. Yeah, no, I get man. that. I get that. But yeah, I, like Split. Split is a great, very, 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 very good psychological horror film thriller. Um, just see it. Okay, I don't even want to talk about it. Just see it. <laughs> Great acting. But Unbreakable, I'd only seen it once. I saw it in 2000, 2001, whenever it hit cable. Mm-hmm. I remember the hype going in, like, hey, it's Bruce Willis with M. Night again. I'd seen Sixth Sense already, even though I was, like, eight years old or whatever, nine years old. Like, my vague memory of it, I, I totally remembered certain scenes 100%. Like, a matter of fact, I have a cracked magazine. Like, you remember them? Like no. It was like Mad Magazine. Oh, wait. Um, so there's Mad Magazine, like and then that, there was yeah. Cracked, and they're like the same kind of I remember the cover, thing. yeah. Yeah, so Cracked is still a website. I don't know why. And so I, I don't know where it is. I kind of want to find it. It's, maybe it's Mad, but I have either a Mad or a Cracked that like spoofs Unbreakable. And so you know, I'd seen the movie maybe twice, definitely once. I'd read that like comic basically a couple of times, like laughed at it. And I totally remembered certain sequences, like Bruce Willis with the weights in his garage, you know, lift or in his basement, you know, lift like how much did you put on like that thing? His kid with the gun, like uh, the Mr. Glass stuff, uh, like the the twist. I remembered a lot of the moments, but I didn't remember. I was happy I didn't remember because the movie's not bad or anything, but it's fairly long. It is very slow in certain moments. But it kind of. You told me is... there was no score in it either, right? No, I didn't say that. That might have been Blake. There, no. there is a score. The score is great. The score is reused in Split. There's no music, uh, but what James uh, Newton Howard does, uh, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. Some some of it is great, especially the the <laughs> themes that are made for these characters. Um, but just that a uh, uh, totally original superhero movie was made. Right before <laughs> superhero films became what they are today, I'm pretty yeah. sure that it had a very big part in creating the Marvel and DC films that we have today, not to mention the Hellboys and what other stuff on the side, Hancock, all of the little also rands. Like it was set it the really tone. that big of a hit? Like you know, it's, it it's was not a huge six hit. Sense though, like and no, I remember but it costing a lot of money too. A lot which you don't really and a lot of money. See that money on there. Um, it, it's mostly yeah, the cast. I, I want to say it's cast, yeah. It's cast and probably just the um, the kind of check that they had to write M. Night. You know, this is Disney. might be Touchstone, but it's Disney. The score, probably the promotional materials. But no, there's not any big action set pieces or stunt work or, or anything. Like, it's a very small movie. Um, but... Probably the most interesting thing about it, and this is why I'm going to recommend you rewatch it. Anyone that's seen Split should rewatch it. Is each scene is a long take, which sounds really weird because it is, but some of them are like breathtakingly smart. In particular, the very first one in the movie, and it's probably the best one in the movie, where 
Bruce Willis I remember is sitting a fight on the train. Scene being a long take, but that's about it. The whole movie is long takes. Um, so it's like, kind of like the same uh, the same style as uh, what was it that we just watched the tribe? Uh, yeah, except there's not a lot of camera work going on. Like it's like a singular shot, kind of like a tripod, maybe with a slider. And so the very first one in the movie, the establishing shot, is Bruce Willis sitting on a train, and he's sitting in the window. And it like you have a great like shot of him like you also have like a chair looking at him, and then it slides to the left to show a girl sit down. It slides to the right, and you get like the framing is done between like where the headrests are, and it just goes from left to right, left to right, back and forth like that, and then it finally has a reveal that this is a kid moving left to right, and that's the point of view that you've been getting. And it was so fucking good. I was like, oh, I'm into this movie now. I'm totally into this movie. <laughs> and the rest of the movie's like that, and some of them don't work. Uh, some of them are great. Um, some of the better stuff in the film. Most of the shots of Mr. Glass before you get full adult version Samuel L. Jackson are done through reflections of glass, which is just really cool to think about. Like a TV set. Um, I forget what else is used. Like an actual like window pane. Um, stuff like that. Just some of the... Uh, the shot composition is so brilliant. Um, M Knight's cameo is cool. Um, just the way that it kind of establishes the the tropes of the superhero genre in a totally original way within an original property is uh, really interesting to think about. And so when you couple that and the way that this world is created and these characters are built up, and attach that to the kind of world that we're the same world, but the kind of story we get in Split and where that goes with this within this world makes me totally excited about Glass in two years or a year and a half. <laughs> um, I It's probably right now, it, it's probably the movie that I'm looking forward to the most right now. <laughs> like, no bullshit. Like, more yeah. than Justice League, like, more than Wonder Woman. Um, I'm gonna go see this one in theaters. I need to see this. I need I to see it opening the, weekend. Very excited. Just the the tragedy though of how you watched it. It's a shame that no one will see this movie like or to without see split the, like without yeah, with knowing the actual. It. Like, you know, I I think just thinking about it though, like it actually makes it a lot better because it if does. you don't know that it's an Unbreakable sequel, then it's kind of a batshit insane genre movie, but. You know, I thought that was kind of awesome watching it until that end credit sequence came up or pre end credit sequence came up. The idea of a twist ending for an M Night movie being that it's the sequel to an M Night movie. Yeah, no, seriously, I was actually watching this and going, like, wow, he is not doing a twist ending. Like, he's just. No, no, no. Like, you know, it was resolving in a way where there wasn't Uh going to be one where it was just the final standard. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, oh, wait, no, here's the twist is that it's It's the sequel the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) It's Which like, is, it's that so makes so cool. much fucking sense. I yeah, love the reaction like, at the theater where there were people clapping and then there were people confused at the same time because not everybody I knew what Unbreakable was. I would have definitely cheered in theaters. Yeah, even there were quite though, a few people. Even though I already knew going in and I expected a scene like that, even though that I that happened, I still rewound it, watched it again, and I had like the biggest fucking grin on my face. Like I was so happy. Yeah, even though I didn't really talk about Split, totally buy that one for a dollar. Please watch it. It's on streaming right now. It's going to be on HBO soon. Uh, watch that fucking movie. And then also rewatch Unbreakable. Can't buy that one. But it is It's a very interesting film in contemporary like superhero filmography. It, it, it's important, like, must-watch material for just how ubiquitous the superhero film is now and how it kind of just set the tone 
even if it doesn't it's not flashy even if it it doesn't have the same kind of battles or fights or or comedy or humor at all really it's a very serious movie and you can just tell like it opens with like a text on screen where it's like um the average comic book collector has this many issues blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. like it it's like okay m knight is totally a comic book fan he made this movie for a reason. It made Split for a reason. And he must be going fucking insane excited that he's making Glass. Like, I have oh, to yeah, imagine. No, he's going nuts on Twitter. Oh, yeah. but he just won't shut up about it. He's I, going, I, I'm, yeah. I'm happy about that. Um, the final thing I'll talk about, and then you can do your thing, and it's super late in the episode, is uh, I, I've been doing PSVR a lot lately. Or not a lot, but as of last night, a good amount. Because last night I actually did the live stream. For Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, which I teased uh, a week and a half ago on Two Cents. And it was Patreon-supported by Evelyn, our very first Patreon supporter. Thank you so much, uh, who gives $5 a month now for our content. And so I live stream that on Twitch. You can watch the archive broadcasts there, twitch.tv slash cstrife991, or on youtube.com slash dollar review. It's available on both. I did about an hour. I did the first three levels of the game. There's seven total. Um, you can't really tell if you watch it because you're getting a fisheye like uh, reciprocation of what I actually saw. It's not in 3D, mm -hmm. and you're also seeing my experience. But it wasn't wasn't scary. Uh, it didn't get me once, no. not even a little bit. Uh, almost, yeah. It almost it almost got me. Like there there's a good amount of jump scares, um, but the teaser is much more humorous than uh what the game actually is but the second level of the fucking game man it was so good i, I played it again yeah, if you watch the whole stream it's about an hour long i played it again so cool um opens with like this uh, you didn't watch it but it opens with like no, this uh that. almost like saw-esque like pita type like pig slaughterhouse which is Jeez. not scary but definitely creepy like the game is creepy um, like it has a very particular palette, right? And uh, it's like a total slaughterhouse. Like if you're a vegetarian, you're gonna throw up type of thing. And then it turns into like an honest to goodness roller coaster, which is awesome. And then it becomes like a brain fuck towards the end. Uh, like if you watch that uh, video, that's the one that you want to watch is the best part. And then that's also when people started watching the stream and I begin interacting with them. If you watch it, uh, the the broadcast again on Twitch, uh, it actually re uh, relays the chat. So you it's not like me talking to myself. You can actually see what they're saying at the time that they were actually saying it, which makes it a much more interesting watch. And another one that I did, the other VR game that I did a week ago was Static, which is this really cool um, puzzle game that I've been looking forward to pretty much since I got my PSVR or before it actually. I've seen it like in, in previews and whatnot. It is a really brilliant concept. The idea is you're being like uh, you're a guinea pig in some kind of facility and you have a box around your hands and yet you're holding the regular controller so you can't see what you're doing and yet every button on the controller reacts a certain way on the box. And so there's there's like a good amount like I think it's like seven or eight different uh, test rooms and each of the puzzles is very different um, and so it has this this great idea because in VR you can't actually see the controller so what's a good way of being able to see your hands how about you can't see your hands and so being able to play with a, a puzzle in this nature where the device is, is physically tangible 
um, is just really, really smart. There's kind of a story, but not really. It's more of uh, a mood that it kind of borrows really heavily from uh, Portal, the Valve game. It has a, a similar setup, but you're just a, a person doing these puzzles. There's a multiplayer mode that I haven't done yet, and I hope to do soon. Uh, but for $20, totally worth it. I Like I said on Two Cents uh, this week, I was playing it for like three hours straight, uh, which is a new record for me. I've never done VR for that long. I just, I really liked it. It was, like, fun's not the right word because it is, I don't know, it's it's off-putting uh, being in this office space with like this dude with his face blurred out watching you and making subjecting you to these tests and you're literally a guinea pig um but it, it really gets your brain going it's a, a form of puzzle that you've never done before without a doubt it it looks really good uh, the puzzles are great the only downside is because it's just a series of puzzles if you do the puzzles one time you kind of can never do them again like you know the solutions um, and then there is some replayability because you're able, each puzzle actually has a secondary puzzle in the room, which adds a little bit more oomph to it. But at the same time, it's not enough to run home about. Uh, but at $20, it, it's totally worth your money. Really recommend it. It is one of the standout PlayStation VR experiences I've done so far. Um, then again, I still haven't done Resident Evil 7 until Dawn Rush of Blood is kind of leading up to that so I can do real horror in a big bad way. Um, but yeah. Totally, totally made my week getting that. I wish I hadn't spent the $20 because, hey, I got to pay off some credit card bills. Uh, don't regret it, though. Really, really interesting. Definitely going to show it to some people soon whenever they come by or whenever I bring my VR to them. Um, definitely one of the pinnacle right now uh, VR experiences only on PlayStation. Made for it. Doesn't have the best controller tracking, but it, it sells the headset. It really does. If you like puzzle games, you're going to love it. It's just uh, I hope we get more and more like it or better yet dlc for it or even you know wishful thinking here a sequel i would love a game with like three to four times as many puzzles for twice the price i would pay that i'd buy that for a dollar um what about you though what'd you check out this week well uh, mostly last week because we've been kind of absent for a while but yeah, uh yeah, weeks, yeah i saw the circle which you know i was pretty excited about it you know it's a james ponsold flick we've talked about uh a couple of his flicks before yeah we were both big fans of end of the tour um so much so that that was we both had the same favorite movie of last uh not last year uh was yeah, it two, two years, years ago, ago now yeah yeah um fans of spectacular now you saw smashed right yeah yeah i've seen all yeah. those movies yeah um or not the circle so yeah no, i mean th this was one that was really anticipated by a lot of people I walked in knowing nothing about what the feedback was and my reaction getting out of there was yes i would buy that for a dollar holy fuck are people hating this thing um it I'll is it. insane I mean, yeah in no i like <laughs> i you know there's things in there where i i don't think everything is necessarily great or perfect like uh -huh. you know but i i seriously th the, this being a terrible movie i have no idea how that's even possible like i don't know the, the most repetitive thing i say is like oh eller coltrane ruined the fucking movie you know eller coltrane is half fine half not good to be honest um like he's fine in the naturalistic moments that he's supposed to have with emma watson you know there i mean it's not great but it works just fine um serious dramatic moments are not really his thing um well, i'll just leave it at that but so yeah, yeah no and he's thankfully not in the movie too much to really ruin it for me but i mean 
you know, it's it's interesting because um, like all this stuff, I, I don't know. I saw it kind of just a straight up satire. You know, I was sort of just like, you know, kind of laughing at or not not necessarily laughing at a lot of most of this stuff. But, you know, it, it the ridiculousness of it, like did make me laugh a little bit inside and I didn't think it was too far-fetched to where we are now so uh, really just as an exaggeration of um, what we have now just as a society in the technological realm and maybe not exaggerated because we could conceivably go there you know I've jokingly said like you know hey maybe Amazon could be the circle um, in the future but I there was not a moment where this felt like it was ridiculous to me like in a way that wasn't being honest uh, to our uh, current climate. I mean, I haven't seen the thing, and I didn't read a lot of the reviews. But what yeah, I oh, they hate it. They hate. Oh it no, so yeah, much. I got that. Yeah. But what I gathered mostly is given that this is adapted from a successful novel that you know, in the same way, paints a, a future that is very possible, mm-hmm. and also like in a. Uh, a, a cautionary tale way there's also a lot of it that's just a reality now i mm-hmm. mean except it, like that i just don't see it far-fetched that it could get to this you know people have live just, uh, streams on periscope on this stuff or or snapchat just that yeah i mean you know privacy is not the only thing here that's at stake it's just you know in a way it's uh, i mean this movie is kind of looking at just where humanity is headed for better mm-hmm. or worse and not trying to like you know it, it doesn't really go in a thriller route um of, oh, we have to shut the whole fucking thing down or something stupid like that. No, I think this left it on a more open-ended note that uh, there's a lot more to think about at the end than more people give it credit for. You know, like, especially in the case of Emma Watson, it's it's interesting because people criticize her character. I think some mm-hmm. things are purposely vague and also, you know, I, I don't want to spoil what I, what I see her character as because I don't want that to color v- your viewing of it, but... There are a lot enough blanks in there that um, you know, you know, we cannot, we don't necessarily know what to think of her. She's not necessarily the protagonist that, even though we might want to side with her on the whole thing throughout this journey, we really don't know what the hell she is thinking. And it seems like a lot of these things can contradict uh, each other throughout. I, I really don't want to spoil too much on it, but yeah, I mean, I just, I. I'm really curious now, just having all this time to have thought about it now, what I'm going to think on a second viewing, because really just, um, I, I mean, you know, not just as far as like the subject matter, but it is a really, really well put together movie. Like when people say boring, I've got no fucking clue what they're talking about. Like this is almost two hours, moves really fast. Like it, it kind of has the social network uh, uh, structure or will not narrative structure but just the ingredients there of like you know hey danny Mm -hmm. elfman does a sort of trent reznor type score there's uh you know scenes that are cut really fast um you know some of the social media uh it's it's a thing that we've yeah he did end of the tour yeah yeah um but i mean you know even stuff that we're accustomed to seeing now for social media where uh characters are typing on a computer on a phone but we do see the pop-up thing there like that that's uh, i don't like a narrative device that we're used to now but i wish that wasn't the norm in terms of way to portray like texting or whatever no but it does work here like as far as how it's always throwing it's throwing so much stuff at you that there's just way too many details into this world that it's it's way too well realized that uh, just bad movie really what the fuck i don't get it (laughs) I think, um, like, 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 once again, you know, I haven't seen it, but I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure why there's such a big amount of critical backlash is probably a couple of things. One, the caliber of the filmmaker and his filmography. Two, the 
A-level talent that is attached to it. Three, how the marketing was basically completely absent. Like we talked or about just this on the marketing like, was not. It was not good. I mean, I well, saw the trailer for this thing. It is I not haven't. a good trailer. Well, like not so even don't. the trailer, but in terms of. It wasn't really marketed until like a month before it came out. It seemed it had like a pretty bad post production. It seemed like the film kind of just like fell off the face of the earth and then it resurfaced out of nowhere. Um, like all kinds of different things. And it was really anticipated and we didn't know when to anticipate it. And so that kind of colored these critics a certain way. But probably also just, you know, it probably if it was released a year ago and we weren't in where we currently are with Donald Trump, that it could have potentially been a different kind of movie except well, it doesn't really deal with politics so well, much not, th- i don't well, even mean like a political a standpoint thing, but it has nothing to just do with that but in terms of the role that the media plays today social media in particular and then also the kind of things that we have facing us as a society that maybe critics because almost every critic especially the ones on twitter the people that hate this thing are politically minded probably don't care about this kind of film right now but, you know, maybe when I see it, which is probably going to be in about a year or a little bit less, I'm sure I'll get around to it later this year to see if it's on mm-hmm. my best of the year list. But it might just be when it was released was bad timing, which is the case for a lot of movies. And Well, you know what? I mean, what's really strange, and I risk at pissing off a lot of people about this, but, like, you know, I, I not only saw this as satire, but, like, just it's it's like almost people were offended by this movie because it was about them like you know they're you know people that periscope mm-hmm. their entire lives like there are elements of that in this where uh i, I don't want to say what it is but i mean yeah just it's or just even like politicians how people demand that they know everything and it's it's like yeah i this did seem like almost in in some ways like there was a truth people... very much to our reality and like like because it was painting them in a negative light, they were just criticizing it as like, oh, I get it, technology's bad, blah blah blah. But it's like, yeah, you know, no, there's there's actually quite a bit here that I can see in a lot of people that I know. It, it's just I I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't want to judge someone else's criticism of it, but I mean, really, the stuff I mainly looked at were reviews on Letterboxd, which are, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, not that intellectually not, stimulated. I'd love to see that. Like, it's just, an honest bad review. Most of this people that I can on Letterboxd on. are too afraid to actually say what they actually think, and they either go with the the grain in terms of the other Letterboxd reviewers. Or maybe they've never even seen the fucking movie and they're lying and they're just agreeing with the actual critic so they can potentially become a critic, which is part of the problem <laughs> inherent in the circle, and I know very little about it. Uh, that's people... actually... The circle also kind of... Uh, th- that's a thing that's evident in the circle and uh, just how the characters interact on social media. So, like, uh, there's really a lot to it. And it's like, I wonder just more and more if I don't want this to feed into too much cynicism for me, but, like... Mm-hmm did this movie just really offend some people? Like just as far as how they act on social media and what's a part of their lives and how they behave. Like the only other movie I can compare it to. And this one we've both seen is men, women and children from what I, yeah. And that's what I felt like I I wrote that in my letterbox review where I was like, well, I guess I got to pull that argument again. It's like people really didn't like that movie either. And the only reason I could understand that would be, this isn't the internet that I live in. This is not my social media. It's like, well, no shit. It's not, this is a cautionary tale. People, especially people that are have some kind of level of fame on social media, don't, one, aren't modest, and then also don't like 
criticism. Like if mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, me included, you know, people like people lose their shit on social yeah. media all the time. Like, like I'm, I, I mostly, you know, even though I'm, I got this podcast, but I mostly stay away from it just cause it's like, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it's just when people, it, it feels comment, like a waste of time for most part. When people tweet at us, which is far mm-hmm. less common than YouTube comments, but whenever they comment on YouTube, I just look at it and I either, if I agree with it, I'll respond. And I'm like, okay, cool. If it's just negative bullshit, like there's one for about Schmidt where he quotes us, and I'll actually pull up the actual quote because I have a screenshot it for for just whatever reason ever. Let me find this thing because it's kind of hilarious and also. I'm honestly very just sad. happy to hear that we're getting comments on YouTube now more often. I, yeah, it happens more. I mean, we just got our first Patreon supporter, you know. So yeah. his name is the bad guy with three explanation points, and he has a picture of Scarface because of course. And so he quotation marks. If Schmidt's daughter was marrying a black guy and was racist, it would hit closer to home. Three question marks. The truth slipped out there, you cunts. And I couldn't even, you know, we did that movie a long time ago now, over a year ago. And so I'm like, did we say that? I'm like, yeah, we probably did say that. I think we were talking about, like, guess who's coming to dinner or something like that. I would assume that that's something that I said in terms of trying to make the audience uh, relate more to Schmidt's struggle or something like that. And it's like... That, that's not even criticism. Like, that's basically someone trying to, like, string us up, you know, on a video with very little views. Welcome like less to than the 50. internet, man. We put yeah, ourselves right? out there. We're going to get a lot like, of scrutiny no I, matter what. You I, know? Don't, I don't mind that. It's like, you know, I just, I didn't respond. On another one, it just says very good. And then this one I didn't respond to yet because I wasn't sure about the angle this guy had. His name is Tim and it's for Green Room. And he said Anton Yelchin wasn't in much. He started more than 30 movies before his tragic death at the age of 27. He was a phenomenal actor and artist. And Dude, we said that also before he died, so it's not like we were trying to piss anyone off with that. That's not... Wait. I don't know. Or, that's what you're talking about, right? Cause, I don't um, know. Probably. I don't know. Um, but, like, I, I saw I that. Is and that what their comment was in response to? Because that review was way before he died. I... It's, that's what's weird about the internet. Like this person reviewed, or that this person commented on that review about a year after we saw it, and so of course they saw the review at that point. So he, of course, was already dead. Our our review was kind of dated. We saw it at initial release, and it, it's just a, a blurred line. And it, it's hard for it makes me. Makes it interesting as an artifact, but yeah, it's interest. I don't know because I, I was how people react when it's... when I saw that comment. Actually, we listened to some of the episode, and we saw that movie both of us the day that Prince died. Yeah, and no, I, like, I talked about that. That's yeah, right. we we both talked about it, yeah, and and so it's an artifact in that way, and also us like loving this film that Anton Yelchin's in, and it's it's like it's very hard to to comment to anything on youtube like i've done it once or twice from our account but i'm satisfied like my my perspective has shifted over the years but like i'm satisfied in just making content and putting it out there someone finds it that's cool but absolutely yeah the fame side of the the equation i'm not sure i want i don't want to become famous for having a podcast i think that'd be very depressing I don't expect it. I would love to have an audience, but you know, it, it's funny. I have actually thought about this thing uh, that I saw a couple days ago. Um, uh, and you're going to laugh. This is the first mm-hmm. time I think I'm bringing up Max Landis on the show, but um, he did, <laughs> he did, he did post this uh, thing on Twitter that I saw it. It was a video uh, just about, um, you know, responding back to trolls or just people uh-huh. giving hateful comments. And basically the main thing that he said is don't assume the other person's reality. And that is a really good thing to keep in check before you say something stupid about yep. somebody else, you know? 
Yeah, I've I've, so, I've caught myself on the internet, especially on Reddit, where someone responds to me in a certain way, and I like assume their tone based on the yeah. words used, and then they come back at me like, "Shut the fuck up, dude!" Like I wasn't even like something like that or whatever. I'm like, "Oh shit, I stepped in some mud right there. I did not see that." Where the equivalency actually is that they don't say anything, and you just get a thousand downvotes. But yeah, I I would kind of probably hate it if we became famous off of this. Like if if we had an audience, that'd be great. You know, if we had a, a, a selection of people that reached out to us fairly mm-hmm. frequently, if, if we got more Patreon supporters and they were more vocal, like if someone wanted to come on the show or join us for several episodes or something like that, you know, that'd probably be cool. Or like if we get to the point where like Kevin Smith is, where we'd actually record live with an audience and, you know, yeah. they paid to see us, you know, that'd be cool. But in terms of actual fame, where like I got verified on Twitter or people start just listening to our reviews and taking that as like the gospel and not making up their own decision. <laughs> that's scary to think about. Like I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't control how other people would react. Like the idea of like, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I think more of audience rather than fame. Like even if we had some like, uh, I don't know, let's say 3000 listeners, which, Hey, you know, would be really nice. I don't know if I'd, I, I don't know if I'd feel like that's fame, you know, like that, that's fame. Maybe the moment that I would feel like it's fame is if, uh, you know, like, let's say hypothetically someone is listening to a podcast that we're on while they're out in public and then they hear me having a conversation with somebody else. And then, you know, they just they catch my voice in real life and then they hear it on the podcast and then they interrupt me. And they ask if that's me, and then I say, yeah, that would probably be the thing that freaks That'd me blow out. blow your mind, yeah. That kind of yeah, happened. because, I mean, like, you know, uh, podcast celebrities, it's not like we put our faces out there, you I know, for to everyone to see on YouTube or anything. So it's it'd, it'd be a weird thing, well, see, but I, I don't know I if do, it'd be fame. Internet famous and real life famous, I don't know. It's I do that to an extent, like, especially with the Twitch content that I've been contributing more to our YouTube page. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when I Twitch stream, I'm not only talking to an audience that is there infrequently and they come and go a lot of people just watch and don't say anything um you know i'm for the most part i have a face cam you can see me you can see my bedroom like you you have you've stepped into for whatever reason i'm not you are more open about stuff yeah yeah i just come at me man like i i don't hide anything on the internet like i i speak the way i do on the internet in person like that is it's not hiding it's just like i I mean like i talk to but it's like you know i I don't know if it's it's not hiding it's more just withholding like there's things i just don't feel the need to bring up you know Oh, bring it up again um talking about that oh yeah so famous that someone recognized my voice in person apparently someone that i met at Cal State Long Beach, who has a podcast also called Me and the Gay Homie. They have like six episodes, seven episodes. It's basically him and his friend who's gay, and they just talk about black culture and life and whatever, growing up and shit. And uh, he said he was wearing, well, first off, he was wearing a t-shirt of his podcast, which is next level um, weird. But anyway, uh, that he was stopped. <laughs> you got to promote yourself somehow. Man. I guess, but at, uh, I give out my business card, you know, like yeah. something like that. Um, it'd be cool to get a business. It would be cool to get a t-shirt though. Maybe it would be, um, we're like, a hat. Although how do we do a design that won't be copyright infringed upon? Because that's, it's a, you know, it's a that's from a movie. It doesn't matter unless you sell the t-shirt. If you're trying to make money off of something that's copyrighted, then it's an issue. If you're making something for yourself, it doesn't matter. Like, it, yeah. it, in the same way that you're allowed to buy a movie and watch it at home, it's only an issue if you try to exhibit that movie to people 
and they have to pay to watch it, mm-hmm. then it's illegal. Actually, there's yeah. no president of the FBI, right? So is there anything wrong with that? Um, or head of the FBI, there's no president. But, yeah, so <laughs> he was stopped recently the other day wearing the shirt by a fan. And if that happened to me, I'd be like, whoa. I'm sure that's probably that's happened. six episodes in? Something like that, maybe a little bit more. But like he oh, does maybe other we're not things. Not marketing ourselves that. No, well. no, he yeah, does but. way more things, man. Like he is a promoter, where like he throws parties in his backyard that you pay to go to, and like mm-hmm. he he's a lot older than us, like I get like 15 years, um, and he's like got connections in the hip hop industry. Like he he knows Donald Glover and shit, you know. Like he he as a person has lived a lot more life. All right, uh, real interesting guy. I actually met him taking. I've talked about on the show before, uh, intro to hip hop, uh, in my I think second or third year of college. And so he's a Cal State alum also, a Cal State Long Beach alum. You got to articulate that. Um, CSULB alum. So I, I met him in that class and we just connected a certain way. And you no, know, yeah, he, uh, it would be cool to like get him on our show or if we were on his show, or maybe it would be me cause he knows me. Um, I, just moving on to something else so we can end the show on an <laughs> interesting note. You know, uh, I, I well, I, I can finish the other two real quick because I actually don't have that much to say about them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the other one is Free Fire, which is the Ben Wheatley movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know I, saw, I yeah. saw that. Um, you know, it was Monday, and I I debated waiting for it to be on Prime because it's a two four, but then I just you know I was I was by an Alamo, and I was like, yeah, why like, not? I like Charlto Copley. I like Brie Larson. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and you know they are good. Um, the movie's okay. Um, you, you know, honestly, real it's, funny. It, it's kind of equal parts really funny and really entertaining and then equal parts boring for me and that, you know, all the stuff that you figure would be funny, the camaraderie, you know, the actors, Charlotte Copley being the over the top asshole that you just want to punch in the teeth. Fucking love it. And then, you know, like there's good performances everywhere and it's really, it's really cleverly written how they just, uh, mix up the situation for all, for the shootout to happen. But then the shootout itself, like there's a lot of uh shots being fired and it almost feels repetitive while it's happening because it's an 80 minute movie where Wait, you know what? they're kind of just screaming and yelling and shooting at each other so that's a waste of money to me i like the 90 minute runtime but 80 minutes you want yeah, me to well, pay 12 dollars I mean, like what's that and then you know just the shootout itself is okay like you know everyone is positioned in like a certain spot and they're doing stuff but I don't know, for whatever reason, it, it kind of cuts to the point where it's incoherent for me, or maybe just it got repetitive because some of the shooting goes on for a while. So I wasn't really that into it. I didn't think it was bad. You know, it was it was it was kind of just OK. Uh, worth a watch when it hits uh, prime for sure. I'll definitely like, watch you it know, on prime, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other one was The Accountant, and uh, which I enjoyed good, a little more. Good, right? Yeah, I wouldn't buy it for a dollar, but yeah, no, it was good. good right? I, I liked it, yeah. It's the other Ben Affleck superhero movie. Yeah, no, definitely. He's Daredevil, um, he's Batman, and he's The Accountant. Autism Man. Autism Man. He you know, has like, an issue of Action Comics 1, man. Like, he literally <laughs> owns several issues of the first appearance of Superman, and that's a plot point. The best part of the you know the movie is Ben Affleck. It's just like you know I don't know if it's a, it's a, maybe a combination of just him as an actor and the character he plays, but mm-hmm. always interesting to watch and just see what he does. I can and just you, imagine the pitch for the movie where they went. Imagine Rain Man, okay? Except instead of like speaking gibberish because he's super autistic, he's only kind of autistic and he's a badass. Like Jason Bourne meets Rain Man. He's got uh, storage with the trailer in it. Or trailer's not a trailer. Awesome. Uh, what do you call it? Um, it's, a tr- it's a trailer. 
I don't. There's another word for it. No, that's one hundred percent trailer. I, I I don't. I feel like there's another word for exactly what it is. But um, either way, yeah. No, basically a trailer with the stash of guns inside. He's a badass. Like, yeah, totally. It, um, it's it's Jason Bourne meets Rain Man. Yeah, in but, the I mean, best kind of way. There really isn't that much to say about it either, other than yeah, it's it's just it is a fun movie. You know, I want a sequel. <laughs> like, I'm not desperate for one, but like you know, I I, I love. Like, I really did. Um, I I like the moments John between Bernthal? him and um and what's her face? Uh, and uh, Anna Kendrick, yeah, Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick, yeah. and in her relationship with uh with Batman, the Batfleck and Anna Kendrick had great chemistry. Yeah. John Bernthal and Batfleck, great chemistry. I I bought it. I bought it hard. There's, there's a lot of good moments. You know, it's it's not exactly the best. Uh, the uh, thing you is, know, I, gu- I guess it's a good TV movie. You know, it'll hit HBO, and it's good for that. It's an adult th- a thriller. You know, like it is. It's also accessible as kind of like a, a superhero movie in a way, or a vigilante movie, more like it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's nothing wrong about it. It has no, solid. It's, it's, beats. it's fun. I enjoyed it. It, yeah, it has some like really cool like math shit going on. Like I, I love how it just uh, handles the whole autistic spectrum side of the story, and. It's. I don't know if I told you this. I definitely told someone at work because he was autistic. I was like, "Have you mm. seen the account?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "Check it out." It's Ben Affleck as an autistic superhero. Uh, like in the way that Daredevil is a superhero for blind kids. If you are on the autistic spectrum, you should check out the Go count. See Power I'm Rangers. Sure like it. The fuck Power Rangers. Fuck. Fuck Billy in that movie too. Seriously, that was thrown in out of nowhere and it meant nothing. They said it out loud too. Yeah, uh, he he, yeah. he said it out loud, and it yeah. meant nothing. And I already talked about this on my review of it. They made a Vertigo adaptation. Warner Brothers used their DC firepower to use their imprint Vertigo to make a comic book version of this movie, which is still insane to me. Really cool, but insane, yeah, I, I don't think it's that far fetched. You know, it's some that it's I never happening. would have thought of until you brought it up. I want to see it. I want to see the sequel. I'll see that in theaters. But yeah, total surprise of a movie. I just didn't expect it. Tell me if this sounds familiar, though. Ah, that that felt good. Oh. Doesn't sound familiar because it's brand new. I went to the Goodwill this past <laughs> week. I got a recliner. Guess for how much money? 25 bucks? Three bucks. I got a perfectly good recliner with no tears, with no major stains. It's a nice dark green color, so... You can't really see anything wrong with it. Has a little bit of a, a stink to it, but I sprayed it down with Lysol so it's clean. Three dollars. The worst part about it was trying to get in my car. Thankfully, I have a hatchback, so it was no issue. I got a recliner in my room. I finally cleaned for the $3. fucking place up for three dollars. Like you know, I was pretty excited about getting fifty movies. I got the post-it note here. It was like, I got fifty-one movies, eight games, three TV season box sets, and one CD for five bucks. Oh, plus the hamper. You know, I was pretty excited about that. But I got a recliner for three dollars. Um, the amount of things I'm gonna watch in this are gonna be awesome. I already started. You are actually. one lucky capitalist. Yes. I say that because this is still the Captain uh, Fantastic review. Uh, I. I watched my first bit of... I have yet to see a movie in this thing. I've been mostly watching Twitch, um, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, some YouTube also. A lot of YouTube. I've been kind of 
getting back into magic so i've been watching clips of penn teller's fool us on youtube which if you've never seen is actually really cool the idea is they're two of the most famous and you know better com uh, comedians and uh magicians on the planet and they have a, a very interesting angle and um, people knew who they are. And if you haven't seen Fullest before, it's a CW show where magicians come on and they try to fool Penn and Teller. And if they can guess how you did it, then it doesn't matter. They're off the show. If they get fooled, then you go on to like the next round. I don't know what the prize is. It's just a showcase for magic in today's world, which mm -hmm. doesn't exist anymore, really. Even though YouTube is like the perfect vehicle for it. Um, but also, Slight came out. I, I still want to see that. I'm, yeah, same. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Unfortunately, it's leaving theaters tomorrow. That's my last chance. So. Fucking Blumhouse. Um, it'll be on streaming soon. Real soon. I think that, that one's yeah, on Netflix. No, it's, it's a very limited flick. That's a Netflix one, I believe it is. Um, but yeah, so I, I have seen some TV in this chair. I watched the or finished the first season of Chewing Gum, um, which is a Netflix show, which is kind of weird. It's about... This black chick that lives, like, in uh, tenement housing in London and – or maybe it's not London, but in the UK. And um, it's definitely Britain. And it, it's just her coming of age. Like, she's a virgin, she's Christian, and she's, like, trying to figure out her life. There's two seasons right now. It's not the first one. The girl that stars in it also created the show, Michaela Cola, I think it is, um, is rumored to be, like, the new uh, – whatchamacallit um, – I forget the name, but basically Doctor Who has, like, a partner in crime. A, uh, fuck, what's the term? I can't remember. Cadet? No, 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 no. It's like a normal word that means something to him. Like, not comrade, but, like, something like that. Uh, Constable? No, like, it's, it's not, it's not, it's even less than comrade. Like, it's just like a normal term, like, assistant, basically. It doesn't matter, but she's rumored to be the new one, which would be interesting. She, she's, uh, I'm going to see the next season. Uh, the real TV they watch, and this, we'll end out the show on this, um, not in my recliner. I actually watched this before I got that. Over the course of two days, and I already talked about this on Two Cents, I binged the entire first season of My Name is Earl. It's on Netflix. There's only four seasons of it. It is a traditional sitcom, so it's 24 minutes and about 22 episodes a season. That first season was awesome. I really, really dug it. Uh if you've never seen it, if you have no clue what it's about, it's not on TV anymore, so you might not. It's uh, Jason Lee and Ethan Suppley, but mostly Jason Lee. He's a crook. He's been living his life on the wrong side of the tracks. He does this and that to get over everyone in his life. And then he gets a lottery scratcher for $100,000. He wins, and then he gets hit by a car. He loses the ticket, and then he decides, oh, I need to start doing good things. I believe in karma now. He starts doing good things, get the lottery ticket, and then for the rest of the show, I would assume, because I've only seen one season, he uses that $100,000 to help cross everyone off on his list of all the bad things that he's ever done. And so each episode has a new moral, has a new journey. The cast of characters are really fun. Um, it's just, like, the world is, is interesting. It takes place in Camden County, which is anywhere USA. Lots of hicks. Uh, I, I like in particular that Earl drives El Camino and has like greasy hair and, and, and it's kind of like a, a slob. Um, there's like an episode where uh, I haven't seen it, but like Smokey and the Bandit's like a big running gag, uh, but really fun. Just the idea of 
like, like a sitcom based around the premise of trying to make your life good by doing good things and making up for mm -hmm. the bad things you've done in life. Like How it, many people were on his list again? A lot. Well, it's not even people. It's just the things that I've done wrong in my life. Like I said, he's a crook. He's been stealing and, and lying and doing this and that to so many different people throughout his life that there's like a nonstop amount of things that he can do right. It borrows. So I guess he didn't finish it through the end of the show. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like I said, I'm only I've only done the first season. I don't think. I it, can't remember if it got canceled. Or it, it did get canceled. It didn't get the yeah. send off that I think it deserved. But well, I'll find out if I get there. Jason Lee, as a hick trying to do good, is hilarious. Like I I really wish that he would stop being a photographer and maybe be an actor again. Uh, in whatever he's doing. But yeah, I'd, I'd pay some mad ducats for that. Uh, definitely buy that first season for a dollar. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you like this show and you want to hear more of our wonderful voices on a weekly basis, check out Two Cents, a recap of what's happened in film, TV, and tech news. We're also on Debt to Cinema, where one or both of us crosses a title off our list of shame. You can find all of our content at dollarviews.net. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. We're available on iTunes, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher, and constantly looking to expand to other platforms. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a Death to Cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis. That's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S. And now you know how to spell the email, too. And also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX. And also follow my film diary at Letterbox under the same name where I log everything I watch and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.